Section 5 of The Obscure Night of the Soul by St. John of the Cross. Book 1, Chapter 4 Of the Imperfection of Luxury, Spiritually Understood. Many beginners fall into other imperfections, over and above those in connection with the capital sins. I pass them over now to avoid prolixity, touching on some of the principal ones, which are, as it were, the source and origin of the rest. As to the sin of luxury, passing over what it is to commit it, my object being to speak of those imperfections which have to be purged away in the obscure night, beginners fall into many imperfections which may be called spiritual luxury not that it is so in fact but because it is felt and experienced sometimes in the flesh owing to frailty when the soul is the recipient of spiritual communications for very often in the midst of their spiritual exercises and when they cannot help themselves the impure motions of sensuality are felt and sometimes even when they are deeply absorbed in prayer or engaged in receiving the sacraments of penance and the Eucharist. These motions, not being in their power, proceed from one of three sources. They proceed occasionally, though but rarely, and in persons of delicate constitutions, from sensible sweetness in spiritual things. For when sense and spirit are both delighted together, the whole nature of man is moved in that delectation according to its measure and character. The mind is moved to delight itself in God, that is, the higher part of our nature, and sensuality, which is the lower part, is moved toward sensible gratification, because it knows and admits of none other. And so it happens that the soul, while in spirit it is praying, is in the senses troubled, to its great disgust, with the rebellious movements of the flesh passively. As these two parts, the higher and the lower, form but one subject, man, they mutually participate in their respective passions, each in its own way. For, as the philosopher tells us, all that is received is received according to the capacity of the recipient. And so, in these beginnings, and even when the soul has made some progress, the sensitive part, being still imperfect, when spiritual delight flows into the soul, mingles occasionally of its own therewith. But when the sensitive is already cleansed in the purgation of the obscure night, it is no more subject to these infirmities, because it receives so abundantly of the Spirit of God, that it seems rather to be received into that Spirit itself, as into that which is greater and grander. Thus it possesses everything in the way of the Spirit, in an admirable manner, of which it partakes, united with God. The second source of these rebellious motions is the evil spirit, who, in order to disquiet the soul during prayer, or when it is preparing for it, causes these filthy movements of our lower nature, and these, when in any degree admitted, are injury enough. Some persons not only relax in their prayers through fear of these movements, which is the object of Satan when he undertakes to assail them, but even neglect them altogether, for they imagine that they are more liable to these assaults during prayer than at other times. This is certainly true, for he then assails them more than at other times in order to lead them to intermit their prayers. This is not all, for he represents to them most vividly the very filthiest images, 
and occasionally in close relations with certain spiritual things and persons, the thought whereof is profitable to the soul, that he may terrify and crush them. Some are so grievously assailed that they dare not dwell upon anything, for it becomes at once a stumbling-block to them, especially those who are of a melancholy temperament. These are so afflicted as to be objects of the deepest pity. When melancholy is the occasion of these visitations of Satan, men in general cannot be delivered from them till their bodily health is improved, unless they shall have entered on the obscure night which purifies them wholly. The third source of these depraved movements which war against the soul is usually the fear of them, which men have conceived beforehand. This fear, which a sudden remembrance occasions, in what they see, speak, or think of, makes them suffer these trials without fault on their part. Sometimes, when spiritual persons are speaking of spiritual things, or doing good works, they become conscious of a certain energy and elasticity arising out of the recollection of persons whom they have seen, and they go on with a certain measure of vain joy. This also proceeds from spiritual luxury in the sense I speak of, and is accompanied at times by a certain complacency of the will. Some, too, form spiritual friendships with others, the source of which is this luxury, and not spirituality. We may know it to be so by observing whether the remembrance of that affection increases our recollection and love of God, or remorse of conscience. When this affection is purely spiritual, the love of God increases with it, and the more we think of it, the more we think of God, and the greater our longing for Him, for the one grows with the other. The Spirit of God has this property, that it increases good by good, because there is a resemblance and harmony between them. But when this affection springs out of mere sensuality, its effects are quite opposite. For the more it grows, the more is the love of God diminished, and the resemblance of Him also. For if this earthly love increases, that of God cools down, and men forget Him by reason of that affection of sense, and the remorse of conscience is the result. On the other hand, if the love of God increases, the human love decreases and is forgotten. For as they are contrary, the one to the other, not only do they not help each other, but the one which predominates suppresses the other, and strengthens itself, as philosophers explain it. And so our Saviour tells us in the Gospel, saying, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That love which grows out of sensuality ends in the same, and that which is spiritual ends in the Spirit of God and increases it in the soul. This is the difference between these two affections, whereby we may distinguish between them. When the soul enters into the obscure night, these affections are ruled by reason. That night strengthens and purifies the affection which is according to God, and removes, destroys, or mortifies the other. In the beginning both are lost sight of, as I shall explain hereafter. End of section 5